Let's go to space. I'm AK5A. Today, Michael Thomas talks with Brian Camp about speculative fiction, its relationship to its pulp origins, its distinction from contemporary realism, and its possibilities for prompting new understanding. See the show notes for works cited in the episode. Brian holds an MFA from the University of New Orleans, is a graduate of the Clarion West Writing Workshop, and currently writes and teaches in New Orleans. Mike starts off the conversation. We brought you here today because I'm really curious to hear about your experience as a writer of speculative fiction. One of the things we've been talking about on the podcast is ways of thinking about the world that spur on innovation or novel ideas. And we ended in a discussion in a previous episode about how speculation upon the future sort of helps move individuals or societies forward to make changes in the present that bring new things about. And it seems like fiction is a really good avenue to sort of begin to approach these problems. So I guess I wanted to start by maybe to get your impression on sort of how you would define speculative fiction and what you think are the sort of the parameters or at least the principles of the genre in contrast with other genres of fiction. Uh, well, one of the things about the question itself is that uh, it, it's, it's presupposing something, right? Mm -hmm. Which is that uh, speculative fiction is itself a, a unique, separate genre aside from something else. Uh, and, and really what the answer is, is, is coming to is that uh, it's made up, right? Like mm -hmm. all genre distinctions are. It's an arbitrary term. Um, and really, for me, it's... It's very much the same distinction that is made between fantasy and magical realism, uh, which is to say that <clears throat> it's a way of legitimizing what we're talking about. Okay. Uh, you know, so science fiction, uh, in a lot of ways, is uh, I, I again I can't remember who exactly said this the first time, but uh, science fiction is a literature of ideas, and so science fiction came about through the, uh, through the pulp tradition, right? So uh, a lot of the stuff that we were uh, reading in the, in the 40s and, and, and earlier, uh, you know, was all mashed up. It was all kinds of genres together. And so you're, you're dealing with, you know, the stuff that was fun to read, mm -hmm. right? That was, the, that was what pulp was. And so you were, you're dealing with, whether you're talking about rocket ships or uh, murder mysteries or romances, uh, these things were aspects of pulp. And so to be able to find the kinds of stories you wanted, they were given labels, right? Romance or mystery or science fiction, if you were into rocket ships and laser guns and that sort of thing, right? And so... Because it comes from that tradition, because it comes from that kind of popcorn movie, this is what kids read kind of thing, as it matured as a, as a genre, as it matured as a way of writing about stories and things like that, or creating stories and things like that, uh, which isn't to say that not all, that all pulp was, was just trashy. Uh, there was some intellectual stuff happening. But as it progressed from just the pulp writers to into Heinlein and into the literature of ideas, as it moved into that, uh, it kind of started to grow up. And because of that, they needed, uh, or we needed, a way to talk about this in a way that differentiated it from the stuff that kids read. 
And so I think that's a big shift for what the difference is between sci-fi uh, or science fiction. You know, if you have a writer who will identify themselves as a writer of speculative fiction, if you then refer to them as a sci-fi writer, uh, you are diminishing them in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not deliberately, but uh, for their, from their own perspective. You know? And it's the same thing with, you know, uh, with fantasy or uh, magical realism. Now, obviously, magical realism has the cultural background of coming from Latin America and, and South America and that sort of, th sort of thing. Uh, you know, if, if you're writing about dragons and the dragon is uh, a metaphor, <laughs> you know, for, for something, and it's not, it's, it's meant to exist in the world, but it's also doing this other intellectual thing, then perhaps you are doing something more akin to magical realism. And so it's a, it's a way of being able to talk about these things in college classes. <laughs> it's a way of being able to talk about these things as not just entertainment, but as literature. And uh, I think that's a big, that's the big distinction between science fiction and speculative fiction. Okay, so then thinking about how it seems like you're describing this is, by shifting the term from something like science fiction or swords and sorcerers or whatever kind of categorization you have, that you're moving from this being simple pulp and sort of entertainment in the way that a movie blockbuster is entertainment to something that can be taken more seriously. So if it's, since it sounds like we're having this shift towards science fiction as speculative fiction being a respectable genre, then what do you think sort of categorizes it as a genre that maybe sets it apart from other forms of literary fiction or contemporary fiction, I think the term is. Right. Uh, so, again, the, kind of maybe the, maybe the speculation is what's mm -hmm. really significant, uh, especially in terms of worlds, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I came from an MFA background, and so quite a lot of my uh, training is in that avenue, and much of that focus is on contemporary realism, uh, sometimes called literary fiction. Um, and that, that focus is really on perspective or point of view. It is the internal looking out at the world, whereas speculative fiction tends to be much more about the worlds themselves, right? And so a large part of what maybe the difference is, is, uh, is where you're standing. You know, for, uh, for someone who is doing contemporary realism, it's much more about how an individual sees the world, this current particular world that we live in. Um, and as we, as we find out through contemporary realism, that world is much more different and exotic and alien than we necessarily want to grapple with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, the way I see the world is very different uh, than someone far away from me or from a different perspective or uh, just from a different upbringing or, or any kinds of things like that. Someone who has read different books or doesn't read at all, right? Uh, those perspectives are very, very different. So it's asking a particular kind of question. Speculative fiction, on the other hand, tends to be asking a different question, which is uh, 
much more about what if the world were this way or, or why what might happen if these things were different. <clears throat> Which isn't to say that there isn't quite a lot of speculative fiction that draws on those same traditions of contemporary realism. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of that, and it's really good. Uh, but a, a huge portion of speculative fiction really is focused on the world and the, the society and how these things work on a large scale rather than just from one person's perspective. Uh, and so it's a question of, of psychology versus, versus world building, I think. Um, contemporary realism, as I said, looks from the individual's eyes out. Um, speculative fiction much more is looking at how an individual might move through this strange world, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. And that makes me think a lot of... Uh, so as someone who's mostly academically involved in a lot of philosophy and history, I don't have a lot of time based on work to read a lot of, as much fiction as I was like. But when you're talking about sort of moving through a world, it makes me think of something like China Mieville in The City in the City, where he's sort of putting you in this place in which you have a reality similar to our own with another reality sort of superimposed on it that can both serve as something like a metaphor, but also serve in a science fiction capacity to make you think about kind of the structure of reality and the way that we move through a world and what the world we move through is composed of. So is that maybe getting a bit more into kind of how speculative fiction changes the perspective of what we're looking at when we look at literature, you think? Absolutely. Uh, China Mieville especially is, is concerned with worlds, is concerned mm -hmm. with that shift, that sideways movement uh, from not just talking about the world as metaphor, but talking about the world as full of metaphors and still a very real thing at the same time. Um, city in the City, uh, it's very much about overlapping, and it's, supposed, it's our world and uh, another world which is on top of ours at the same or next to ours at the same time. Uh, and that's very... And I think even more in this vein would be Embassy Town, uh, which is all about language and metaphor and lying, <laughs> which is a real big part of storytelling. And, uh, and he... In that, in that novel, he, he has this completely alien world, and it's meant to be an alien world. Uh, you know, it's a... It, there is a human ghetto inside an alien civilization, uh, and it, it's all about trying to communicate with that alienness. And uh, Mieville being writing a lot about London and writing a lot about contemporary London in this way is grappling with all of these things. But at the same time, if you were to try to just simply take Mieville as Embassy Town, in particular, as being a metaphor about modern British life and not and and socialism and all those things that Mayville is concerned with, but ignoring the story, ignoring the world that he's created, ignoring that dual speaking alien species. If you take it only as metaphor, then you're missing something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not <clears throat> there. And that, that tends to be what a lot of what happens very often when a uh, 
someone who is very schooled in contemporary realism writes through those tropes of speculative fiction. Um, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but uh, there are some writers who uh, get an idea about a ghost story or about uh, a future world or something like that. And whereas always before they have been focused on the internal psychology, they get this idea that they perhaps think is very groundbreaking in terms of speculative fiction, but which has been trod upon uh, quite a lot. And uh, those novels tend to be focused on the idea of the alien as the other, as a metaphor for the self and the other. And they tend not to work as well as they could because they're ignoring that huge background and that huge history of uh, of speculative fiction. Okay, that's it. So that's an interesting distinction you're making then. And a couple of terms you keep using that maybe I'd like to flesh out is this idea of approaching the world as alien and this idea of how we then begin to approach a world as alien and think about it in a proper way. Because you're bringing up this distinction between still thinking about it in the context of an individual confronting that world in their own personal psychology versus a view that sees how that world functions and how an individual would have to adjust to that world. That's a bit different. And right. Is that am I actually capturing sort of the right distinction? Yes. There? So so let's get let's maybe get away from the idea of alien because that does have that is a very loaded word. Um, so for instance, to to kind of define the distinction, uh, let's say in terms of speculative fiction you were writing about an android, right? Uh, if your story was, if the significance of your story was what it was like to be inside that android, <laughs> um, to see the world through his or her eyes, then you are doing much of what contemporary realism is already doing using the kind of trappings and interesting stuff that speculative fiction does, which is often done in speculative fiction and it's quite good um, but it's not necessarily the, the purest kind of form of speculative fiction if on the other hand you're much more asking questions about what kind of world would it be for androids to exist how would it be different from our world why would those things happen those kinds of questions that's a lot of what speculative fiction is really about um, and it's the kind of questions I think we ask as children. You know, why? What if? Why not? Right? And uh, those are the questions that I think we're told by adults and as we move into adulthood are not as valid anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, <clears throat> so, much of, so much of becoming an adult is, and this might be personal bias, but so much of becoming an adult is understanding the self, especially as one moves through adolescence. Uh, children try to understand the world, and I think adolescents try to understand the self. Uh, and then adults try to reconcile what they've, been what they've tried to understand about themselves with what they've come to believe about the world. Uh, and I think one of the things that speculative fiction does is it allows you as an adult to go back and ask those questions you were asking as a child. Why is the world this way? What if it were different? Um, 
And I think that's a different thing than what contemporary realism is doing. Okay, so and this developmental sort of framework you built in is interesting then, because then do you think that the the questions that we ask and the way that we ask the questions sort of changes once you get into sort of an adult model of reading uh, fiction? So in the sense of like, when I read fairy tales or when I read certain fantasy or science fiction stories when I'm younger, I'm probably, it seems, if I read things in the way that you're discussing them, read them in a way of sort of approaching this new alien world and trying to understand how that works relative to the reality I've been brought up in. Do you think that then once I'm an adult that sort of brings something new to bear that maybe kind of changes the experience of reading fiction? Uh, well, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but that, I don't think that's a distinction between contemporary realism or, or speculative fiction or anything like that. Um, <laughs> you, I mean, take Shakespeare, for instance. You read Shakespeare as a 13-year-old high school student or a junior high student, and then you read it as a senior in high school and then you read it in college, and then you read it as a 30-year-old adult, and a 50-year-old adult, and a 70-year-old adult, you're going to get very many different things, uh, and significantly different things uh, from the fiction. And so, <clears throat> um, so yeah, I think that it's a, it's a, your perception of the world changes as you age. Um, and unless you become rooted <laughs> uh, or mired uh, as the connotation might go uh, in a mindset any kind of fiction you read will evolve over time and you'll see different things and you'll focus on different aspects of it and you will approach it in different ways um, it could be that as I read speculative fiction I'm approaching it in a childlike way or it could be a general sense. I don't know. I'm not a. I, I'm not a psychologist by trade. I'm not <laughs> certain of that. But I. I do. Th I do kind of think that that is the. That's the developmental stage that it's at. That's where. That's the kind of fiction you go to to ask those kinds of questions. If that makes sense. No. Okay. It does. So. If maybe, if I can advance the discussion this way, because I think something else emerges here that's very interesting, which is this idea of reading fictions through different phrase, phases through your own personal development. And when we were talking earlier, when you were introducing this idea of speculative fiction, you talked about the idea that sort of, as it becomes legitimized as a genre, genre it takes on its own kind of new literary aspect that brings it to bear on the world in a much more serious way. So as someone who works in this genre and someone who wants to continue writing in it, do you take this as to maybe be reflective of a certain social shift in something we're looking for in literature, or maybe just kind of a general development of the text of speculative fiction within literature as a whole? Uh, well, this is, this is actually a really interesting question, because um, so much of what lay people or... I don't want to say it that way. Uh, so much of what people who are not trying to create this kind of fiction, or maybe not uh, constantly reading this kind of fiction, very often one of the perceptions of what speculative fiction is trying to do is trying to predict the future. Uh, you know, so often you see, you know, you know, BuzzFeed's got the 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 ten craziest things that science fiction writers predicted in the in the 40s you know or uh, 
you, you can go through Fahrenheit 451, and he predicted flat screen TVs and uh, Walkman uh, earbuds and with the, with the seashells and <coughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that's something that speculative fiction really tries to shy away from is trying to predict uh, the future and, and it's not about that you know it's about writing about these questions as opposed to or at least I think really good speculative fiction is trying to write about these questions rather than trying to provide the answers um, so to that end trying to give the answers is sort of against my uh, my inclinations <laughs> as a speculative fiction writer uh, but that being said, in terms of trying to uh, figure out, you know, what might this shift mean to move from contemporary realism to speculative fiction, which I do think is a shift that is occurring. Uh, I'm certainly not saying that contemporary realism isn't interesting or valid anymore. It's certainly a, a part of literature that we need to continue and, and focus on, but uh, I have kind of noticed a shift, and again, this might be personal bias, but I have noticed a shift towards people being interested in those kinds of stories, especially young people. Um, and in that, in that sense, uh, I think it, it could either have a very positive connotation or either have a fairly negative connotation. Uh, you know, so if you are, if you're considering, uh, from, from a negative standpoint, what it means for people to move from the individual kind of focused perspective that is contemporary realism into the more what if, why not kind of questions that is um, speculative fiction, uh, you know, a lot of it turns into dystopia. There's quite a lot of, especially in young adult stuff, that is how can this go wrong? How might this go wrong? How will this go wrong? And looking at the world around us and asking, how could we possibly not fall apart? How could we possibly not fail? And seeing all the various ways that our culture and our society and our world, uh, peak oil, water shortages, climate change, all the really scary stuff on the news that you don't want to watch, uh, that's part of the speculation looking at those dark parts of the future that could potentially happen, um, there, is, there is not a small amount of fear. I mean, there is a, a, a not insignificant amount of fear in some kinds of speculation um, in that sense. The optimistic side of it is potentially saying that moving away from me, moving away from trying to understand, people always talk about, you know, fiction being about the human condition, but I think a lot of it is about my human condition, and we read these stories about people who are different from us to try to understand ourselves, or people who are like us to try to understand ourselves, and if you're asking those kinds of questions, it's a very inward focus, even though the perspective is from the inside of the narrator out into the world, it's still a very inward focus. Uh, whereas the speculative could potentially move out of that and move into what if we could make a perfect world? What would that look like? What if we could make a more perfect world? What if we could 
make things better for people. You know, um, I I see all these innovations. You know, people can move arms with their brains and things like that. And I I I feel like nobody nobody asked the question of what would what would it look like for me to be the person who made them have two arms again but what if i could make it happen what if i could do that what if mm-hmm. right and so that's kind of the positive spin on the shift towards speculative i think huh okay so that's really interesting and it's we We've still got a bit of time, so I'm going to go ahead and push you with maybe one more large question before we try to wrap up. Okay. But there's an interesting transition then that happens in this exp- explanation you're giving between sort of speculative fiction as both not trying to predict the future, but to sort of put oneself in a position and think, what are the capabilities I have to create changes to create a better world? So as someone who's a writer of speculative fiction and someone who approaches these problems in their own work, do you think this, one, do you think that this is something that's maybe a benefit or at least kind of an ideal of the genre? And two, how well do you think it helps us to really kind of push our understanding of what we can do in the future forward? Um... Well, I don't know that I could speak to the ideal of the genre because the ideal of the genre is going to be as different as any writer that you speak to. Um, my own personal uh, perspective, I think, um, no, I don't think that's the responsibility of writers. I think the responsibility of writers is to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the responsibility of everyone else to come up with the answers. And so... You still use the word I, right? Mm-hmm. You, when you said that a writer of speculative fiction would say, how can I make these changes occur? That's not necessarily the, re- the responsibility of a speculative writer, I don't think. Our, our responsibility is to ask the question and show what the answer might look like. Uh, we, have the all, we, have the of, uh, we have the benefit of a math teacher and not a math student. Right? We can show the question and we show the answer. You're the one who has to show the work. Right? And so uh, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's the difference. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that, uh, it's, it's the difficulty and the, the ease of it. We have to show you what the world might look like, uh, but we're also not, all, not necessarily responsible for doing the work to make that happen. Some writers very much are focused on that. Cory Doctorow um, is very focused on both asking the questions. Uh, he has that series, Little Brother and Homeland, uh, where he asks the questions of how might this go wrong? How might... Uh, and it's not quite a dystopia, but it's, it's very much <laughs> seeing the potential for a dystopia on the horizon. Uh, and the ends of his books are calling for activism they are saying i've shown you the question i've shown you the potential answer here's what you can do to step in line or to step out of line uh to to show the work of how to answer this question um how to build this world potentially um 
And so I think that's that kind of answers the first question. What was the second part of the question? The second question was more about sort of the ability for the fiction to achieve this goal of presenting a common world, but I'd actually like to change it based on what you just said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll, I'll take the interviewer's privilege here. Fair enough. But this idea of sort of the writer's responsibility, you're saying, is not necessarily to perhaps show the solution, but to kind of sit the reader in a situation in which they're forced to evaluate perhaps their own solution to the problem and bring their own perspective to bear on this new world. Do you think, as someone who writes this fiction, that maybe that's sort of its greatest benefit? Potentially. Um, fiction does so many different things for people, and it, it depends on what you're coming to it for. Uh, that is that is the burden of trying to write good stories. Any story can potentially make you think about something in a new way, or entertain you, or convince you that this thing that you thought was good was bad. But I think a really good story can do all of those things for different people. Um... So for the perfectly content person who is perhaps happy with the world around them but still likes to ask these kinds of questions, speculative fiction can be purely entertainment. It has to be entertaining in order for it to work as, a, as fiction. Um, likewise, someone who is hurting in a very real way, uh, who doesn't understand the world around them, who doesn't want to be in the world that they are in, who wishes there was another world. Speculative fiction can provide that glimpse, right? That kind of medicinal illusion of it could be different, you know, that it's not, it doesn't have to be this way, that this could be a different world or there are other ways. <clears throat> so I think that is a valid use of fiction. Uh, and then there is the kind of instructive, the you think the world is this way and it can only be this way, but you're not asking the right questions anymore. You're, you believed what adults told you because they believed what other adults told them, which is asking the questions of why or what if were stupid questions. And the, the real questions were, how do I and when can I? And may I, and how much, right? And those are the questions that I think are forced down us, and we lose those questions that speculative fiction, kind of in a childlike way, in the, in the positive connotation of the sense, allows us to ask of what if, and why not, and why. So I think what you've just given us is something really good to end on, because it seems like in these three sort of modes of readership you've put forward, there's the one case in which in somebody, for someone who comes to literature just to kind of read a book and they're not really going to be affected by what it has to say, there's not much that's going to happen. But at least for anyone who comes to fiction with an open mind and looking to experience something different, coming to speculative fiction and approaching these worlds and having them presented before them does give them at least both the opportunity and a space to begin to think about the world in a different way, and that might be speculative fiction's benefit. Right, yeah, in a, in a big way. You know, it, uh, 
it, it allows you to ask those questions again that I think that uh, adulthood really tries to or really forces us to kind of abandon you know so much of adulthood is uh, is, is forcing those kinds of day-to-day -day questions of how much and when and can I and should I and those really kind of personal narrow focus questions which are crucial in the day-to-day -day, but don't look at the rest of the world but they don't look at the bigger picture uh, those kind of questions that we were told as children even though there's that there's that kind of saying well, there are no stupid questions uh, someone only says that when someone asks the kind of question that they think is kind of stupid right and so uh, those questions that as children we were told are kind of stupid why what if why not uh, those are the questions that speculative fiction encourages us to ask and um, really good speculative fiction I think doesn't necessarily answer them or the answer in and of, in and of itself is ask the question again ask a different question when you say what if really good speculative fiction says maybe and ask again and I think that is really the benefit, is to continue to ask questions. Okay. I think that's a perfect answer to end on that. So uh, thank you for being here with me, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot.